right. I uh, I'm, I'm already got my mindset that I probably won't get done today. I have so many notes. I've got so many scripture. My, my goal as a pastor is not to give you uh, just baby food. I want to give you something you can chew on. And that'll help you grow and develop spiritually. And I've said this for years. If you'll come here and take what we share, if you'll come for two years and take what we share, two years later you'll say, I'm not the same person. If you'll put the Word of God into practice. If you just put your hiney on the seat and just listen and go and do nothing with it, you won't change. But if you'll put it into practice, how many know your lifestyle will be transformed? And you know, I came to Jesus when I was almost 18 years old. I am not the same person I was in my teenage years doing drugs and all that mess. I'm, I don't have the same mindset. I don't have the same disposition. I don't even have the same personality I used to have. When Jesus gets inside of you, you become who he is. You become how he is. You think like he does. You want what he wants. How many hear me? So if there's any of you, anything in you unlike Jesus and you get hanging around his word, he'll start changing you from the inside out. And that's the best kind of change. Yes or no? Y'all can say yes, amen, uh-huh, yeah, or just go, ah, and that's okay today. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, I didn't mean you to take me literally, but this subject's on my heart. We're living in a day, how many know, of tremendous spiritual challenge and warfare. So let me say this ahead of time because I don't want to get off. I could get off in this and talk about it the whole time, but I won't. Um, uh, tomorrow's Halloween. <sighs> Would you please not dress up your babies and, uh, and, uh, to, uh, as witches and warlocks and devils and spooks and ghosts? You know, I, I, and so in my notes, and you can go to victorychurchraleigh.com forward slash notes, and my notes are online. And uh, I put a supplement at the end of my notes. There's a couple of articles I put on there. One is just scripture about not colluding with the enemy and not dressing like the enemy. I mean, <laughs> you say, well, that's just innocuous. We're just having fun. Well, you're having fun, but you're also sending subtle signals in the realm of the spirit that you're not serious about your life with Jesus. You know, if we lived in World War II times and you put up a Nazi flag in your, in your, uh, in your yard, do you think somebody going to be talking to you? Huh? Wow. Or, or how about now? What if, you, what if you, instead of having an American flag sticking off your porch, I got an American flag on my house. What if you had an ISIS flag? Whoa. You're sitting in the signal, right? So you're dressing up like a witch. You know, Susan and I went to the mountains a couple of week, weeks ago. We went on all the little foo-foo stores, I call them, and uh, looking at all the little stuff and whatever. And people were dressed up like ghosts. and witch. A bunch of them were dressed up like witches with big old noses and big old little black hats and stuff. Like, you people are just crazy. I encourage you not to do that. And the, the uh, supplement on my notes says it all because I don't have time today. Again, we're living in a day of tremendous spiritual challenge and warfare. And uh, uh, what you need to know is this. Uh, we go into our future knowing that Jesus has equipped us for this season of time. And though we're go it is, seems to be a season of both natural and spiritual warfare, we go into the fight knowing that we've already, we've already won the victory, already won the battle. So that, listen, so regardless of what you're facing, if you let Jesus help you, you will win. So, so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a wrestling match. 
And sometimes life is tough and hard and you wrestle with your flesh, you wrestle with circumstances. But I just want you to know if you'll hook up with the Word of God and you'll get to pray and, and submit your life to Jesus, you will win every battle. The devil's tried to kill me six times and I'm still here. And I'm going to live as long as I want to because God said with a long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I'm expecting to, to live strong while I live. And when it's time for me to go, I'm going to lay down in the bed and go to be with Jesus. But until then, we're going to fight because we win. So if you've got a mindset, well, I just won't have a good time, you need to change your mind. Life is not about having a good time. Life is about obeying God and doing His will so that one day you stand before Jesus and just hear those, that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. If you got anything else in your head, you got the wrong thing in your head. Anyway, didn't mean to come out that way, but it did. So I want to, I've got six points. I don't think I'm going to finish today. I've got, lots, I've got a lot of notes. So um, I just want to talk to you about the enemy. This is entitled, Exercise Your... Jesus given authority over Satan. One of the things that um, astounded me when I came to Jesus, you got to understand my background. I was raised Son of Baptist. I, I went to church all the time. Three, I've told you this so many times, three times a week. You can set the clock what time we're in church. I'm in Sunday school. I'm in train. You ever heard of training union? Uh, then what was the Wednesday night thing? Royal ambassadors or sunbeams if you're a girl. So I, I mean, I went to all those classes plus. Plus, just went to services in our church, and then we had special services. You know, we'd have somebody visit, come. We'd have services all night. That's my lifestyle. That's, that's, that's how I spent my childhood. I didn't have a choice. I had to go. Our relatives come and visit on Sunday morning. We left them at home, and we went to church. I'm not making this up. So, so church was a big part of my life. So even when I was smoking pot, doing drugs, guess what? I sat my butt in church. I was the biggest hypocrite in the, in the room. But that was just my lifestyle, you understand? But when I really came to Jesus just before I was 18 and gave my life to him, it astounded me. And I did not know, and nobody ever told me that I have authority over Satan. I didn't know it. And so I, I spent my childhood afraid and watching the spooky spook movies and, you know, poultry guys and stuff. And a little girl, her head turns around 360 on her body. And, you know, the priest dies and, you know, you know the, the church is wimpy and... Uh, the, the enemy strong, and, and I found out that's not true. It's a lie. It's a subterfuge. It's deception. It's a fraud. That we really do have authority. So all of the fears I had as a child, fears of a thousand things. There's a, uh, uh, if you go look at, in, a, uh, in, a, in a, a book, there's, there's thousands of phobias, fears that human beings have. You know, people say, uh, pay psychologists lots of money to help them deal with the phobias they have in life. Well, Jesus can help you with just one statement. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when I started my walk with God, all these little fears, fears of people, insecurities about myself, fear of death, fear of auto accidents, fear of uh, all kinds of mischief occurring, fear of theft, fear of whatever. Uh, I was ruled and dominated by fear. And most people are and don't even know it, are not even aware. Can I get real? COVID-19 just showed how vulnerable people are to a spirit of fear. COVID-19 was all about a spirit of fear being loosed on the whole populace of this planet. 
And most all of it was a lie. So we're living in a time the enemy's raising his head. And if you know the Bible, you'll look at him and say, not here, not now, not ever on my turf. And you'll walk into your future victoriously as though you've already won. How many hear what I'm saying? So I got six points. Y'all ready for this? So I got to talk about the enemy for a minute because, you know, he's like the mafia chieftain or the ruler, the political ruler in some city, uh, 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 state, nation in the world. And, and, and you never see him publicly, maybe, uh, but he rules everything underneath the surface. And so, so the judge has to do what he wants to do, what he tells him to do. The police officer only arrests who he says can be arrested. The fines and penalties are only for what the person that's subterfuge underneath the service is telling them to do. And y'all, that's happening in an uncanny way in America right now in a lot of ways. Did you hear what I'm saying? So see, the devil's just like that. He's a sneaky guy. I call him Wiley E. Devil. You got Wiley E. Coyote. Y'all ever, you know what I'm talking about? Looney Tunes? He is Looney Tunes, but I mean, <laughs> he's like that, he's like that uh, wolf that's look, going after the uh, roadrunner. He's always out to get him, but it always backfires. So if you know who you are in Christ, you don't have to be afraid of him. But you do need to understand his tactics because even though you know him, he'll try to worm his way into your life and take away your authority. That's what's happened to a large portion of the church in America today. That's the reason we're having the kinds of problems that we're having. So point number one is Satan is a fallen angel that was given a temporary authority over mankind due to Adam's sin. Now, I wasn't going to do this. I had no plans to do this, but no kidding, standing right there during praise and worship, the Lord kept impressing me with certain things. And he impressed me to go back to the beginning. And even though you've heard these things, to read some of these things again and make some comments, you need to know the origin of the enemy of your soul and what his tactics are. How many hear what I've just said? Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, uh, speaks of the origin. Um, uh, Ezekiel was talking about a natural ruler and then all of a sudden he switched and the, and the prophets in the Bible sometimes will do that. Isaiah did that. Uh, Daniel would do that. Ezekiel did that. Many of the prophets of the Bible, they would be talking about a current ruler or a current situation. And then, and then as the Holy Spirit came on them, suddenly they flip and then they start talking about the spiritual realm behind them. And that's what happened the first few verses in Ezekiel 28 verse 13. Uh, let me get to the translation that I want to read this in. And uh, let's see, let me get it. It's right, there it is right there. Uh, so in verse 13 says, you were, in fact, verse 11, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation, a funeral dirge for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God. Now it changes. And the Holy Spirit came on Ezekiel and he began to see in the realm of the spirit. And he's talking about a spiritual reality that we need to hear. We don't know a lot about Satan's origin, but this is what we do know. And you need to know this about your enemy. If you want to defeat your enemy, you've got to know his tactics. You've got to know, know where he's from, right? Right? That's what tacticians say. Uh, verse 12, thus says the Lord God, you were, uh, you were the seal of perfection 
full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, that tells you a lot. Satan likes to do things right. He doesn't want to do them halfway. That's the first thing you find out. Full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. He loves the aesthetic. He loves the beautiful. He loves to put a mirage of perfection and beauty. He'll put lipstick on a pig. Verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald with gold, the workmanships of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were in Eden, the garden of God. How did he get into Eden, the garden of God? Well, well, that's, that's after what happened in heaven. He was an angel in heaven. And verse 14 says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. So first thing, the very bottom part of verse 13, it mentions some, some jewels that, he was, uh, that were on his, his uh, clothing that shined and made him look really unusually beautiful. And he really loved the decorations. Then it says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you. On the day you were created, as I've studied this over the years, my first Bible school experience was 1977. And when we had uh, Bible school courses on, on Satan and his origin, you know, I've heard this and I've read from so many different theologians and such about this. The seems like the common factor is the workmanships of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. There's something about Satan. He had the ability... Uh, he had musical ability. And many of the theologians I've read after have said that he somehow perhaps led the worship of heaven before he fell from heaven. He loves music. And he loves to take music and make something beautiful out of it. There's something about music. We talk. Have you noticed um, about music that music can take, music is a vehicle into the human spirit. I got to pause a minute. Did you hear what I just said? Music is a vehicle into the human spirit. Isn't it amazing that, I mean, I'm going to say it this way. It's, it's harder to memorize something without music to it than it is to memorize something with a song. A, B, C, D. You know, our grandchildren from age almost seven to almost age two, got eight of them. And my little two-year-old, Sarah's a little boy, he's two plus a few months. He can already sing the ABCs. Isn't that cool? What does that tell you? Music is a vehicle to get things into you. So let me present a question. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of music do you let your kids listen to? Doom. And then there's some words attached to that. Now, I can make it happen, y'all. But I'm not. Because I honestly don't, I don't listen to that. But along with that catchy, that catchy whatever doo-wop, Words come. 
Now vulgar, nasty words come. And now the body gyrations that go with the nasty words come. Have you noticed that? Who do you think is behind that? Do you think it's right for a little three-year-old to twerk that little body around the room? Can I be real? Where do you think that comes from? Where does that mimicry come from? Demon spirits, my friend. I could go a long way with this. A lot of people say it's nothing wrong, it's innocuous to listen to, you know, just some simple, kind, nice music that's not godly music, but it's, you know, it's just uh, folklore music. It's just good music. You know, some songs I actually like, but you know what I've noticed? If I let myself listen to those things, when I wake up at night, they're running through me. Have you noticed that? When I came to Jesus, I, I got rid of a lot of albums. We had vinyl albums in, in the 70s. Now they'd be worth probably a lot of money, but I gave them all. I probably should have destroyed them, but I gave them away to some of my friends. I changed my music because that music drove me. Did you hear what I'm saying? And now we have the music platforms that you stream on your phone and on your, on your devices, your mobile device. And now I'm riding my bike down the uh, trail. I'm going slow. Is it okay? I don't feel like I need to speed up. I'm riding my bike down the Noose River Trail, and I mean, most everybody, you know. And they're walking, and they're bebopping a little bit, because if you can't see me, I'm doing something really nuts. But um, they're listening to music. The music you listen to could determine what kind of person you are, because it gets down inside of you. You know what I do? I listen to worship music. Last night, in fact, I woke up and I had several songs just floating right through me. I said, I like that. That's full of the Word of God. I love that. huh?" So what do you do with music? If you compromise your music, you're probably compromising another area of life. Yes or no? Maybe I should say that again. If you're compromising your music, you're probably compromising another area of your life. Most of the real popular musicians, they're so popular, they can't handle the popularity. And so they have various ways to anathematize themselves from the pain of busy and the pain of having nowhere to, 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 to you know, just be by themselves. And so sex and drugs and rock and roll kind of go together, don't they? It's amazing to me. You want to listen to a person who lives a perverted life? You listen to a person that lives a perverted life, that perversion's part of them. And it comes out in what they do. Yes or no? I just got that out of this. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you the day you were created. It is a day right now. God puts his glory on the music that he's ordained. It's not just music, it's worship. Isn't it amazing that the very person that's promulgating and pushing all this nasty, perverted music used to lead the worship of heaven. I don't have time to go into detail, but you can go do the research. A lot of the really popular singers over the decades of time in America that have become very popular got their start in church choirs and singing solos at church. Yes or no? What does that tell you? Satan's busy. And nobody even admits he exists. And the funny thing is, the more intellectual you become, 
The more idiotic you think you uh, people are that preach and say what I'm saying. And you dismiss them. That's nothing. You're, you're an uneducated blot. No, that's what the Bible says. I'd rather go with God rather than anything else. How about you? Watch the music you listen to. And here's what's happening now. And in fact, it happened in our meeting today. The presence of God comes when we worship in spirit and truth. When the words in the music we sing. When the words in the music. How many hear what I'm saying? Something happens in the spiritual realm. There's a spiritual atmosphere created when you have the right kind of music. You have the kind of wrong kind of music, you push it away. So you're wondering why you're having a lousy week after you spend Sunday morning at church. Well, what kind of music you listen to? Fill in the blanks, right? Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. So you were the anointed cherub who covers. Now, Bible scholars say that he had something to do with the protection of the throne of God. God lives in a place, you could call it a planet on the north side of the universe as revealed by the Bible um, called heaven. And, you know, God has a huge throne there. It's a beautiful place. You can read about it in Revelation 4. Very clear, beautiful place. Don't know a lot about it. But it's a beautiful place that you want to see one day. Then he says, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery Stones. He was involved in the very glory of God. Satan himself partook of the glory of God because he was right before the, the presence of the God of all creation. And he, had, he was, he was, um, he was uh, commissioned with protection. So he had an element of authority. Now watch this. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Rebellion began in the heart of Lucifer. Now, if you go to Isaiah 14, we'll go in a minute. His name was Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer means bright one, burning one, shining one. He was the most exquisite creature that God created to date at that time. And he was perfect in the days he was created till iniquity was found. So, so where did wrong begin? There it is. Think about your own life, the problems you have, the challenges of the flesh, the challenges of the mind, the emotional wrenching that you experience at times, the challenges you have in relationships, the challenges you have uh, across the whole spectrum of life started in Lucifer's heart. Take it a step further. Every time we yield to what we know is wrong, we're literally yielding to Lucifer himself. What a happy thought. No. Then he goes on to say, uh, verse 16, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Hmm. By the abundance of your trading, King James Version says, by the abundance of your merchandising. It's all blind. Those words, we don't even understand what that verse is saying. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. What happened to Satan? This word merchandising, you go look at the Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew words for slander. Taking apart someone's character behind their back. 
and saying what never should be said about them, denigrating their character to other people. What did Satan do? He took the beauty that God had given him, the wisdom that God had given him, the authority that God had given him, and he corrupted a section of the angels of God. Go to Revelation 12. If we have time today, we'll get to it. At least a third of the angels listened to him. We'll find out what he said in just a minute, but he slandered God. Every time you talk about somebody behind their back, every time you talk about the pastor, every time you talk about church leaders, every time you talk about the boss on your job, every time you talk about a relative or family friend uh, to someone else and you would dare not repeat it to them, you, you're doing what Lucifer did. He got him kicked out of heaven. He merchandised the anointing. He took the anointing God had given him and he slandered God's character and it cost him. It cost him everything he knew at the time. So it says again, by the abundance of your trading, your slandering, you became filled with violence within. He, got, he was angry at God and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. And then it shares a, a little bit about it, and we'll go to Isaiah in a minute. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your sl- splendor. Hmm. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading, of your slandering. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. Wow. So that's what happened. Now, if you go over to, go in your Bible over to Isaiah. This is not in my notes. I hadn't even gotten in my notes hardly yet, y'all. Everybody okay? You getting anything out of this yet? I got to talk about some of this because of where the world is and where it's headed. Isaiah chapter 14, verse, um, start with verse 12. Here it is. And the prophet Isaiah speaking, suddenly he talks about a spiritual thing that's in the spirit realm. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now he calls this being Lucifer. Again, bright one, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. So Satan was cast out of heaven. When he was cast out of heaven, he was cast down to the earth. It's interesting, isn't it? For you have said in your heart, why was he cast out? This is what it was in his heart. This is probably what he was sharing with the other angels in heaven. I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, the angels of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. The mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north is the, is the throne that God himself sits on. Hmm. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I, 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 I. If all you do is talking about you, you got the same problem Satan had. If you're in conversation with someone and all they do is talk about themselves, they're full of the wrong person. Quiet. Who do you talk about? You talk about yourself? That's what the devil did. Got him kicked out of heaven. You're supposed to be talking about Jesus. Jesus. 
or build up other people. You talk about yourself, you got some deep problems, my friends. Check out your conversation. I, I, I. Somebody said Satan had an eye problem. It's true. Behind that was pride. Pride is the most insidious mental trait known to man. Pride is a force that all of us have to deal with. All of us have an element of pride. We have pride in in how we dress, where we live, what we drive, how we carry ourselves, how we appear to others, our conversation, our knowledge, our education. It all becomes pride slanted. Yes or no? In my personal life, God has laid me as an 18-year-old boy. I saw clearly a lot of the problems I had with the insecurities in my life. It was all pride because all I was thinking about was what other people were thinking about me. I should be hidden with Jesus. And if all I'm doing is thinking about what other people are thinking about me, who's in the center of that circle? Me. And Jesus had to take me through a process. I mean, I've had carpet burns on my nose. Just put my nose on the floor and say, oh, God, I'm so wrong. If you haven't got carpet burns on your nose yet, you probably still have some pride. And I'm not Mr. Humble yet. I still have to deal with pride. But you see what I'm talking about? And now the whole world is filled with pride. And there are people that are wanting to rule the various areas of, of the strata of culture worldwide. And their ambition is, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to control other people. And that's the spirit of Antichrist. And it's loose all over the leadership of our country right now. Have you noticed? And if, I, if we pray right, we can undo it. How many believe that? So I'm slowing down. I haven't gotten to where I wanted to get today. But what are you doing with pride? Huh? See, I want to talk about your authority, but I can't talk about authority until we talk about what you're doing with your life. You can keep, you, keep yourself away from the authority Jesus has given you. Somebody was in my office earlier this morning. I think uh, Tina talked about authority in the little meeting we have, you know. She didn't know I was preaching on that, by the way. Now, here's a big question. How can believers, and I'm going to talk about the authority of the believer. You can go look at my notes. I won't get to any of them today. You can talk about the authority of the believer. And how many know Jesus has given you authority over the devil? It's in my notes. Go read my notes. I won't have time to preach them today. We'll come back next Sunday. I'll get to preach them, teach them. But you can have all the authority, but if your life is not right, pulls the spiritual rug out from under you. And that's where America is today. You've got a lot of people that attend a lot of churches. But few people walk in the authority that Jesus gave them. Because they don't qualify. How many hear what I just said? And to qualify, I can use all kinds of phraseology. You've got to suck rugs. You've got to get on your face. And you got to say, God, help, help all my wrongs turn into right. Help all the things I want to do that aren't right turn into things I don't want to do. And then I want to do right. Lord, change me, purify me, cleanse me, help me, transform me. 
Take the me out of me. Let you rise up in me. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. That's what the Apostle Paul said, right? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What was he saying? I gave me up. I gave my right to be hurt up. I gave my right to be offended up. I gave my right up to be seen and known. Can I be real with you? Part of me just loves to be seen, known, and heard. And I keep hearing the Lord say, Mitch, you'll do better if you just hide yourself. So you know what I like to do? Empower others to do. And then tell them, you're doing a great job. Yes or no? You got to be heard, got to be seen. You diminish the authority that Jesus has for you. And a, lot, a large portion of the church world, we got, we got stuff we need to deal with and lay before the throne of God. Yes or no? We've just somehow gotten things all mixed up. And Jesus is here with his presence to straighten it up. How many hear what I just said? Wow. See, none of this is in my, I'm trying to figure out how, where I go now. Because <laughs> none of this is in my notes. The problem behind every challenge we face, there are demonic forces. They're insidious. They're behind the scenes. They're working. They're seeking to control and maneuver. And they're seeking to change mindsets, opinions. How many hear me? Huh? That's the reason we need to have our ears today clearly tuned to God's voice through His Word. You don't hear God's voice through a prophet. You hear God's voice through His Word. Those that are really called to be prophets, and I've noticed there's a plethora of apostles and prophets. If you get into the internet world, I'm saying, where all these people come from? They've never built a doghouse, and somehow they're an apostle. And then there are people that are prophets, but they say things, and then they don't happen. I say there's a big problem with that. If you'll stick with God's word and get his word inside of you, you got everything you need. And then start praying, oh my, and then hide yourself and don't be a prideful person. Friends, when, when the enemy sees you, he'll run the other way. Whoo! Acts 19, there was a crowd, the seven sons of Sceva. They watched the apostle Paul and I mean, Paul would just say, come out of her! And this little girl that was telling people's fortunes, she lost her ability. I said, man, I want that authority. Whew. Whew, I want that. I want to be able to pray for people and they get set free. And so they went to some demon-possessed people in their area because they were probably involved in divination and witchcraft and stuff. And they come up and said, come out! And the devils <laughs> inside those people said, what? And they ran after them, tore their clothes off, and run them out of town. And they said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Huh? Welcome to the church in America. I just had a feeling this wouldn't come out the way I planned. It's just time, y'all, for us to clean up. You hear what I'm saying? As we get into this, come next week, I'll get into this. 
Jesus has given us authority. Uh, here's another little caveat. Um, you know, in Daniel's day, Daniel, we have the Daniel fast we talk about now. It's popularized. And Daniel ate no pleasant bread for 20, 21 days, three weeks, and um, ate no meat, only that which came from the ground. He didn't eat bread, didn't eat meat, fish. He just ate fruit and vegetables. Meager diet, three weeks. Lost some weight. That's a good thing. But the whole time he was praying. And then an angel appeared to him and said to Daniel, Daniel 10, uh, Daniel, have no fear. From the first day that you gave your heart to get wisdom and make yourself poor in spirit before your God, your words have come to his ears. Do you know God hears you the first day you pray? That's amazing. That's the reason you have to believe you receive when you pray. You've got to believe that God heard and answered and then talked to him in terms that let him know that you believe he answered you the moment you prayed. So I don't keep praying for the same thing over and over and for now and say, God, thank you. You heard what I asked for. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the devil hears too, and he's the one that tries to hinder and resist. And that's what Daniel was bringing up. Your words have come to his ears, and I have come because of your words. Daniel's praying no answer for three weeks, and an angelic being appeared to him and said, God heard you the first day, and he sent me because of what you were believing. But then he said this very insightfully, verse 13, Daniel 10, but the kingdom, the angel of the kingdom of Persia put himself against me for 21 days, three weeks. But Michael, let's talk about a demon spirit. But Michael, one of the chief angels, a good angel on God's side, came to help me. And when I came, he was still there with the angel of the kings of Persia. There was a spiritual battle in the unseen realm that was trying to, that was trying to keep the answer from Dan Daniel. Now, you know what? I've read that many times, and you know what the truth is for all of us, particu particularly right now where the world is. Satan is setting the stage worldwide for the Antichrist to come in and through fear dominate people. You hear what I'm saying? I guess I can say this. Did you know that a lot of people, a lot of believers are going to yield to the spirit of Antichrist and fall away from God? Did you know that? 2 Thessalonians 2 is clear there's going to be a falling away before Jesus comes back. In verse 11 of uh, 12 to 11 or 12 of 2 Thessalonians 2 says that God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Do you know the last two and a half years was a test case from the demonic realm? To see what people would bite and believe. What sound bites would hook and change behavior. The majority of the world bit it. Now people are starting to wake up and say, wait, wait, everything they said is not true. And the moment you say publicly, well, that ain't right, then somebody says you're an idiot. And they ban you from apps and conversations. And then they don't call you back. Have you noticed? It's quiet in here. We're in the middle of a huge battle and most people don't realize it. We have authority over it, but you've got to walk with God and clean up. And a lot of believers are going to fall away before Jesus comes back. That's what the Bible, I don't like to say that. 
And I keep thinking, Lord, I don't want that to be me. Do you want it to be you? Then don't believe every single thing you hear. Check it out with Scripture. The definition, I've preached these things a couple of years ago. You know what delusion is? Delusion is believing something. It, no, delusion, delusion is hearing something that you know is absolutely not true, but still doing it anyway. That's delusion. Do you realize how many delusional people we've had worldwide? Yes or no? Where does that come from? Spirit of Antichrist. Why am I saying all this? Because we are in a spiritual battle and there is a spiritual war. Let me answer this question before we go. Some people said, well, Pastor, if we've got all this authority that you're talking about, and we do have authority. Luke 10, listen to this. When the 72 disciples returned to Jesus, some translations say 70, others say 72. It really doesn't matter. The joy, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall uh, from heaven like lightning. Satan was kicked out of heaven because of his mess. Then he said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Those are metaphors for demons and evil spirits and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus gave the disciples before he went to the cross the legal authority that he had over demon spirits. And when they said, in the name of Jesus, it's like your company giving you the company checkbook and the, and the, the CEO or the CFO of the company has signed on the dotted line and all you got to do is fill out the amount on the check and you can spend their money. Jesus has given, he gave them the qualified use of his name. If they walk in him and preach the word, they can use his name in demons bow. And Jesus has given us the use of his name today. And when you say, in the name of Jesus, leave me. Devils have to leave you alone. Fear has to leave you alone. Doubt has to leave you alone. Circumstances have to eventually change. Things have to be different when you use the name. But if you're not living right, you're like a parrot. Probably want a cracker. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And the devil's laughing at you. So clean up. When you clean up, authority returns. So here's a question. I'll leave you with this and we'll come back next week straighten all this up. If we have all this authority, Pastor Mitch, why, why is our nation going to hell in a handbasket? Why is deception taking course in the political realm? Why are the finances, why is the inflation so high? Why is our culture seem to be headed down into a cesspool and morass of filth? Why is all this happening? A couple of answers. If we have authority, why can't the believers that have the authority say, devil, take your hands off? Here's what you've got to understand. Jesus gave, and we'll talk about this when we come back. Y'all want this? Jesus gave you personal authority over the devil. You can keep him out of your house. 
And when your children are small, you can keep him out of their life. Once they become accountable for their own lives and they become adults and they get out on their own, you're no longer responsible for them. They're responsible for them. You can have an influence, but their will is more important than your influence at some point in life. You should be training your children in such a way that when they're out from under your authority, they yield to God's authority. Yes or no? You know, when your baby's a little, you have to do everything for them. You got to feed them, wipe their honey, got to do everything, wipe their mouth, do everything for them, put the clothes on them. But as they age, they start age appropriately doing things for themselves. And then as they become teenagers, you let them make some choices that won't kill them if they make the wrong choice. And then as they continue to age, finally, finally you say, you're on, there. You're on your own there, big boy. Life is yours. Grab it by the tail and run. And hopefully, my goal was that I, that I raise children that are good citizens because they're submitted to God. If they never see me, their conscience is strong towards God. You hear me? It's what you're doing with your kids. If you're letting them run wild and look at the internet, letting them badmouth you behind your back, or in front of your face. Now kids do it in front of your face. They're going to have some huge problems in life and will fail. And that's the problems we're having in our culture. How many hear me? So you have authority in your own life. You have authority over your children when they're small. You have a measure of authority in your family. But see, the further you get away from you, the less spiritual authority you have in other people's lives. Does that make sense? See, that's practical, common, spiritual sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I can take authority in your life, but then you get away from me, those same imps from hell that are messing with you with fear and all kinds of mess, they'll come back, and you've got to be able to stand at some point on your own two spiritual feet and say, not today, devil, not today, and not ever get out of here. Then you've got to be willing not to go by what comes into your mind and then what you feel. You've got to be willing to take your Bible and say, I can't feel this. It don't seem to be true. But here's what God said. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. In all these things, I am more than a conqueror and gained a surpassing victory through him who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes or no? So you've got to stand on your own two feet. At some point, I can't pray over you and get it to work anymore because you should have grown spiritually. So if 10 years ago, if five years ago, I prayed for you or somebody in ministry prayed for you and woo, 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 I got set free and then you got problems again today, if you haven't grown spiritually, it may not work for you this time because God's saying, stand up and act like an adult and not a baby. Which leads me to our nation. You say, well, Pastor, if we've got all of this spiritual authority, which I'll start covering next week, if we have all this spiritual authority, then, then, then why is the devil, why does it seem like all kinds of nasties happening politically and socially, materially, financially? Why is all that happening? Here's the, here's the answer. God deals with the nations as a whole. And if the whole of the nation doesn't want God, God will leave them alone. That's why we're salt and we're light. Salt gets into, <laughs> we're, we're kind of like leaven in flour. You know, I bake bread on my own. 
And I put about a tablespoon of leaven in there. And then I have to cover it up. Because once it gets out in that flour, it messes with that flour and it rises, right? In that sense, you're like leaven. You get out into the culture, you start affecting it. But if we let the culture affect us and we do nothing with what we know, and we let the culture infect us, and we act like everybody else around us, and you can't tell a believer from an unbeliever, That's the reason these things aren't working in America right now. The number one thing God is asking of America is repentance. He's asking us to get on our face and personally repent of sin. Personally repent of pride. Personally repent from putting money ahead of God because that's what we do. And flesh things ahead of Jesus. If you're living with somebody, you're living to please yourself, not Jesus. And you're not married. You hear me? If you won't tell the truth in your business or your workplace, because to tell the truth means you lose your job, then money is more important to you than spiritual reality. That's where we are. So the compromises have killed us. The compromises have ruined us. Y'all okay? And so I wrote, I looked this up because I couldn't figure out, God, this is not in my notes. Why, why do I need to say this? And then I came to the, oh, I put it on my iPad. Here it is. Listen to this. And I'll close with this. Y'all okay? Y'all want me to be quiet or you want me to finish? I guess that's most of you want me to finish. Okay. Just listen to this. Listen to this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? He calls the believer righteous. He calls the unbeliever or the person that refuses to walk with God and lives like the culture unrighteousness. What communion has light? Calls the believer light, the unbeliever darkness. What agreement has Christ with Belial? That's, a, that's, a, that's a, an idol of the day. That's demon spirits. When, when, when you worship the flesh, when you let the flesh have its way in your life, he says you're an idolater. What agreement has Christ? Calls the believer Christ. With, an, uh, uh, with Belial, the devil. What part has he who believes with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God caused the believer a temple of God with idols? Caused the unbeliever an idol. Why? They're living to please themselves. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will walk in them. I will live in them, walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Then the next verse, it's just a continuing letter with no chapters or verses to it. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know, if we'll choose to seek first the kingdom of God and put the flesh things away, you know what? You get your authority back. Then when we as believers in America gang together spiritually and say, God, I don't want anything but you. Nothing's more important to you. My money's not more important to you. My relationships are not more important than you. What I have is not more important to you. Nothing is more important than you in my life. 
when we do that as a whole as believers in America, that, that motivates the kingdom of God in this nation. And that motivates the angels of God to say they're getting serious with God. And that motivates when you start praying, the angels of God behind the scenes start working. If you're not praying, they're folding their hands saying, I have nothing to do because these, these people are not sold out to Jesus. How many hear me? If you get to praying, God starts doing things in the realm of the Spirit. How many hear me? And when you start praying, the authority rises up inside of you. How many hear what I'm saying? Question, how much are you praying? The Lord spoke to me the first of last week. I was praying, and I had the distinct sense that now is the, one of the most crucial times. I think it's the most crucial time we've ever lived in. And for me, here's what I heard him say. The things that people don't pray about, Satan will make inroads into. Because, and I'll get to it next week, Revelation 12. He comes down in great wrath knowing he has but a short time. I mentioned this Wednesday night. Y'all remember that if you were here? Satan's come down right now knowing his time is short. He's upping the ante. He's trying to hinder people's lives. The good news is you have authority, but it's only authority when you're on your face and when you're praying. So if you haven't been praying a whole lot, repent. If you've lived a pride-filled life and you're having problems with everybody in your life because you're in the center of, of your world and not Jesus, you know what? Repent. And you know what? Jesus will do something fresh. Yes or no? Yes.